hope you have your Bible for a little while today. We want to talk about something that's crucial to victory in the last days especially. It's always been crucial to victory in all the days of the church. And you would think the persecuted church of the early church would be the most church in jeopardy. In reality, it is not that time. It's this time that puts the church in more jeopardy than all the heavy persecution. Persecuted church has always been a pure church. And the pure church has always been a church that God could infuse with joy. When it's pure, God can infuse it with His joy. When it's not pure, when there's compromise and concessions made to the enemy, there's no place for the joy of the Lord in that person or that people. But when it's pure... God can infuse the joy into it. And when that joy is infused into the lives and hearts of the people, the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. I've ministered on this before. In fact, uh, at the end of many of our services, how many remember this scripture? Go and eat the fat and drink the sweet, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's say that again. Go and eat the fat, drink the sweet, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to tell you something about this spiritual joy. It causes your life to become celebratory. Because if you're going to eat the fat and drink the sweet, that means you're celebrating. You're not just, you know, hibernating and vegetating, sitting in your room in the gloom and pondering doom. Can you say, man, you have this fellowship relationship with the Lord and it's bringing his joy to the forefront of your life. Now, the joy of the Lord is not like happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. And how many know in a faulty body and in a fallen world, you don't live happily ever after, i.e., it's not a fairy tale life down here. We have an adversary in the enemy. We have an adversary in our own flesh. We have, an ad, our, we, we're, uh, we have an adversarial culture, and we are living counterculture, upstream Christians in a downstream world. And in the last days, it would get worse than it's ever been. The Bible said in the last days, perilous times would come, and we may read that in just a moment. But they're not coming anymore. They're here. When I came to Christ many years ago, my pastor talked about the days, the last days, and what they would represent. And I thought, you know, we're, we're not in them completely yet because there was still prayer in school when I was in school. There was Bible reading in school. There was the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God was not in attack. The Ten Commandments were not covered up with tarpoleums until they could get it out of our classrooms and our courtrooms. What we're seeing today is sickening to the soul. And we need something to counteract what we're seeing today. And the something that we need is something God loves to grant and God loves to give. And it's the joy of our salvation. That's why David said, restore unto me. Take not from me thy Holy Spirit and restore unto me the joy, the joy, say it with me, the joy, the joy of your salvation. I'm going to read some scripture because this is real important that we get it today. I couldn't stand here today with all the stuff that goes on in the world, in my family, in the church, and all over the place without the joy of the Lord to strengthen me. It's impossible. 
And, and, and let, me, let me get you away from power for a little while. We know we have power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Dunamis. But discouraged people will not use their faith and release that power. How many know that just because you have the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that you're encouraged enough in the Lord to utilize that power? So Paul did mighty works, and when he did, we see the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. I haven't haven't heard it preached that once Peter got the Holy Ghost, he never failed again. He never had any more. In other words, like one preacher said, the Holy Ghost is to the believer what what a phone booth was to Superman. We have power within us. But Timothy was filled with the Spirit. But he was discouraged. And the gifts of the Spirit that were, in, that were granted to him to minister with were now laying dormant in his life. He had lost the joy. He had lost the peace. And Paul wrote Timothy and he said, Timothy, Timothy, there was faith in your... See, it wasn't a faith issue. It wasn't a power issue. It was his attitude, his heart attitude, the atmosphere of his heart. He said, your mother and your grandmother, Eunice and Lois. He said, they had faith, and I'm convinced that faith is in you. How could he know that? Being born into a family with faith is just going to give you faith? No. Where did their faith come from? Where all faith comes from? Faith comes by hearing. Everybody say, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. So if they had faith, it was because of the Word was dwelling in them richly. The Bible said, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. And he grew up in a home where the Scriptures were taught. The Scriptures were read. The Scriptures were were always in the forefront. And that's why Eunice and Lois had faith. And that's why Paul knew that Timothy had faith. And he told Timothy, God didn't give us the spirit of fear and Every time you see that, every time you see that, don't think of him needing the spirit of fear cast out of him. This wasn't something from the netherworld. This wasn't something, this wasn't a demon. If you, if you call everything a demon, you're going to be trying to cast demons out of people that just need to grow up in God and get some joy and peace in their mind and joy in their heart. Spirit of depression comes with an attitude of mind many times not a devil from hell if you want to blame everything on the devil you're going to take no responsibility for you it'll always be the devil and the deliverance many people need is not from the devil per se all the time it's not a spirit all the time it's the spirit of our mind the bible said be not conformed to this world but be renewed In the spirit of what? Of your mind. Everybody say my mind. Your mind. There's a train of thought this morning that everybody's everybody's, uh, everybody's got. Everybody in here has got a train of thought. You didn't know you were an engineer, did you? You have a train of thought. And that train is traveling with train cars full of something. Could be full of worry. Could be full of... Anger could be full of depression, but it's pulling cars. It wouldn't be a train. Amen? Amen. And everybody in here has a train of thought. And God would love to empty those cars that are filled with all the junk 
and fill them with the good. You know, let, let, what is it? Finally, brethren, to sum it all up, Paul said, finally, brethren, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, whatsoever things are of good report, think, literally think only, think only, think only on these things. Can you say amen? See, your train of thought is going to take you somewhere. And God wants it to take you into a place where He can infuse you with peace and joy and happiness that is not based on happenings. Because you can't control the happenings in your life. But you can control your train of thought when the things begin to happen. And you can meditate upon the evil things that are in the world. Or you can look at what's happening right now through the lens of the soon coming of Christ. And Jesus said, these things must first come to pass. The end is not yet, but it's near. It's not yet, but it's close. Can you say, man? And Christians ought to have a holy... And what we're seeing right now is so prophetically indicative of the end of all things. The coming of the Antichrist, yes, but more importantly, the coming of Jesus Christ for His church. And I love this song about a victorious church. Praise God. In the midst of this world, in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the falling away, in the midst of evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, there's a blood-bought church that's being kept by the power of God unto the coming of Jesus Christ. Kept by the power of God. Kept by the power of God. Romans 12 and, and verses 1, it begins with, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, and be no more conformed to this world, literally pressed into this world's mold, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove, literally exemplify, what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. These are not three stages. Of the will of God. Oh, I'm not in the perfect will of God, but I'm in the acceptable will of God. Amen. No, no, no. You're either in the will of God or you're out of the will of God. Amen. You're not somewhere in between. Thank you for the hearty amens. It's true. Let's don't make the scripture say something it doesn't say. It doesn't say that. God's will is good and it's perfect and it's acceptable when we get a mindset to obey. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord, who made of himself no reputation, but humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant. And here it comes and was obedient even to the death of the cross. The joy of the Lord will cause obedience to come forth because you joy in God through Jesus Christ. If you fall in love with somebody, you'll begin to joy in that person. You'd rather be with them than to be with, the, with your friends from school. You, my, my son is, is still single. He's 42 years old and single. He's a candidate for some, somebody out there, but he's, he's seen so many failed relationships that he, he's not real keen on just uh, getting married for the sake of... He, he said, Dad, being lonely is, worse, is, is easier than being in a bad marriage. Anybody say amen to that? 
you know somebody in a bad marriage, being lonely is easier to cope with than coping with that out, that crazy person. Can you say amen? <laughs> amen. So he's, he's not keen on just getting married to be married. And, and, and he says, you know, but one thing that happened when my friends married, I lost all my friends because now their joy and their, their desire to be with is to be with their spouse. And it should be that way. Amen. That's the way it ought to be. Look, bug, bite you. Then that's how it works. And if you ever fall in love with the Lord, that's how it works. Amen. You don't let your friends sway you. you your heart is set on things above. And see how, how this works. Colossians 3, verse 1, 2, and 4. Listen to it. Colossians 3, verse 1, 2, and 4. It says, If you be risen with Christ... If you be risen with Christ, born again means the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now dwelling and indwelling you. If you are saved, you have been raised with Christ. That's what baptism represents. That's why it's so significant. Buried with Him in what? Raised with Him. For what purpose? Raised with Him to do what? To walk in the newness of of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. Behold, he said, I make all things new. Praise God. We used to sing that song on, uh, on that hallelujah morning. When all the dead in Christ shall rise, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord. I'll have a new life. You're going to have a new body because you've got a new life in Jesus Christ. If you be risen with Christ. I'm not talking about people that joined the church, got baptized in water, went in a dry center, came up a wet center. Can you say amen? I'm talking about people that's been born again. If you be risen with Christ, the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead has worked in your spirit man to regenerate you. You're not the old man made over. You're not the old man made better. But you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And people that are struggling to follow Him probably need to get saved. People that fall away every other week need to get saved. All things obviously aren't new. It's the same old sinner with the same old sins. This guy don't go to the same old places and do the same old things. Why? Because he met Christ. He was, he's, he's been raised up with Him. Hallelujah. And it was the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that operates in us when we get saved. If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell within you, Christ comes in, God the Father comes in, God the Holy Spirit comes in. The same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead indwells every believer the moment you get saved. And He said He will quicken your mortal body. And that word quicken means give life. What kind of life? What kind of life? The same life that was in Christ when He was raised from the dead. Resurrected life by resurrection power. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're being kept by that power until the coming of Jesus. Kept by the power of God. Not kept by the power of religion, but a power of a relationship with God that is perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 
Well, these are the days that we are living. And so people with power within them that are not grace-centered instead of power-centered are set up for failure. Timothy had power. He had gifts. He was anointed of the Holy Ghost and appointed to ministry. And guess who laid hands on him to set him forth? Paul and the rest of the apostles. He had credentials spiritually that would put him in an immaculate, powerful state to minister. But he was discouraged in his heart. And because he was discouraged in his heart, the faith that he had, by the way, he had faith. First thing Paul told him, see, most people are telling you you need to build your faith. Instead of telling you to use how to use the faith that you have. And the devil will tell you you need more faith. And Christ will tell you if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. You could see a mountain move. The devil's always going to tell you you don't have enough faith. He's trying to get you to not use the faith that you've got. It's a lie. It's a trick. He's a trickster. And it would appear that Timothy was faithless when in fact he had faith. And the gifts were laying dormant. And all he had to do was use the faith that he had. But he, Paul had to convince him that he had faith in order for him to use his faith. So he wrote him a letter to this discouraged, anointed man. And he said, Timothy, there was faith in your mother and in your grandmother, Eunice and Lois. I know there's faith in you. Isn't it refreshing for someone to tell you that you've got the faith that you need? You just need to use the faith that you've got. Remember that song, it don't take a whole lot. But you've got to use every bit you got. Faith, faith, faith. Just a, just a little bit of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A little bit goes a long way. Why? Because he said, have faith in God. Not in your faith. Not in yourself. But in the God who is faithful. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many has ever been across the Sunshine Skyway? Do you know the water is deep under that bridge? Did you know that bad boy already fell down once when a boat hit it? How many stop and pray before you cross the bridge in your automobile? Or you just set it on 65 and put the pedal to the middle? You just go across it. Hey, that's faith. That's faith. You've got faith in the architect. You've got faith in the, in the, in the concrete and the steel, uh, what is it, raybar, the girders. You've got faith in all of that. And you don't stop and say, oh, Lord, I don't know if this bridge is going to hold me up. Oh, Lord, I heard the story that came out of the turn of the century where, where a man with a wagon load of wood to sell in a town came to a frozen over river, completely frozen over But he was afraid to take the wagon load of logs because he was afraid that it would break. He didn't know how thick the ice was. He didn't know if it would hold him up until he saw a wagon twice the size of his loaded with twice the wood come right by him and cross over without a problem. And when he saw that wagon cross, he had faith in his heart. If it didn't break under his load, it sure ain't going to break under my load. And he took off and he crossed the river. Devil doesn't want you to use the faith that 
you have. He wants you discouraged. He wants you distracted. He wants you disgusted. Amen. He wants you to quit praying and believing that God is going to change things and change people and change you and change circumstances. And we got to get renewed in the spirit of our mind that we might prove what, listen, without faith, if you're going to prove what's acceptable unto him, it begins with this imperative. Without faith, without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to Him must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek Him. Literally, let diligently seek Him. You see, when you, when you lose heart and become discouraged, you quit seeking God. You quit praying in faith believing. You pray a prayer that, well, I don't know. I don't really expect anything. I prayed it a thousand times. Nothing has changed. Why should I continue praying? Because God is listening. Because God is listening. Because God is listening. Because God is listening. His eyes are on the righteous. His ears. Everybody said God is listening. His ears are open to their cry. I love the revelation David had of prayer. He said, I will, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will, I will always bless Him. But he said, when I pray, something extraordinary happens. He turns His ear to me. He inclines His ear to me. One translation said, He bends down and listens when I pray. You'll see one of the kids from Sunday school come up and they, their head is right here above my knee. And they... They want to tell me something. They want to tell me something. The other day, your grandson wanted to tell me something. Last Sunday, your grandson wanted to tell me something. Amen. Wanted to know what pop? What is a spiritual pop? And I thought Christian bookstore probably selling, got a deal with Tootsie Roll. Can you say amen? And there's probably a scripture written on the paper or something. I don't know. A spiritual pop. I thought, I'm the pastor. He expects an answer of me. What's a spiritual pop? And because his grandma done told him that sometimes when you're bad and you walk in rebellion, God will give you a spiritual pop. Last time I illustrated that by slapping my own face loud enough for you to hear it. It hurt. I'm not going to do that today. There'd be no visual. But we get a spiritual pop from God. Why? Sometimes we need. Sometimes, sometimes we need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, when I got chastised, it, it, I got my mind right. Yes, I changed my mind about being rebellious for a little while anyway. God wants to renew the spirit of our mind. Because the spirit of this world will cause your mind to run with it. And as a man thinketh in his heart, and we're not talking about heart here like it is, trust the Lord with all thine heart. We're talking about head here. Heart is interchangeably used in the context of the scripture for your spirit or your mind. And we put such an overemphasis on spirit, we've underemphasized the mind. And we got a lot of people that need to be renewed in the spirit of their mind. What is the spirit of your mind? It's, it's the train of thought. Are you thinking about what God told you to think on? 
Are you thinking about what God has told you to think on all week long? Every morning when you get up, early will I seek thee. I've been catching myself wanting to turn on the news to see what happened last night before I go before God, before I get my mind right. I want to go to God before I hear the message on the answering service. Because I don't know what may be coming. I don't know what may be coming in. And I don't want my mind to be captivated by something so negative that I can't see the good through it. And my faith to be not used because I'm disgusted, distracted, or discouraged. Timothy was discouraged. And Paul said, you got faith. You don't need any more faith. What you need is to use the faith that you have. And many people think if I'm discouraged, I'm, my faith must be small. That's not the case. That's not the case. Discouragement begins in your mind. And then it begins to affect your heart. Keep your what? Your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. But you've got to keep your mind in the same way. As a man thinketh in his heart, you think in here, you think right here. As a man thinketh in his mind, so is he. Listen, listen to how this works. This new generation that crossed over Jordan, they saw the Red Sea part. They saw the plagues in Egypt. And they saw the greatest military force in the world at that time was Egypt. They saw that military force decimated and destroyed when the Red Sea came back in and destroyed them. And Miriam got her tambourine. Talk about joy when they had just seen that fresh victory. She got her tambourine and she led the, the, the ladies of Israel. All the women of Israel got up on a hillside and began to sing. Amen. Our God is a man of war. He's thrown the horse and the rider into the sea. Hallelujah. And you would think that they could go a 40-day journey and end up in the promised land with joy. But they got discouraged on the way. And a 40-day journey from where they were to where God wanted them to be took 40 years. Without the joy of the Lord and without getting your mind right. They went from, our God is a man of war, throwing the horse and the rider into the sea, to our God must hate us to have brought us out here in the wilderness to die. And the devil tried to get them again when they got to the threshold of the promised land with a new generation. And they sent spies into the land to see what they were going to be up against. And the people who just let their mind run the way of the world and, and, and left God out of the equation. They saw big cities. They saw big people. They saw big armies. And they come back with their mind on just what they saw. And there wasn't any God in any of it. They come back and said, what did you see over there? They said, well, it's just like God said it would be that He wanted to give us. It's a land that, has, that flows with milk and honey. And the boughs of grapes were so big and heavy, it took two men to carry. They even brought back a bough of grapes, two people to carry it. To, oh, my goodness. 
And yet, how disappointing to hear, but we can't have it. God has purposed it. God has provided, but we can't have it. 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 Because we saw giants over there, the sons of Anak. We saw fierce armies over there. And we saw cities, and the city they saw was Jericho. With walls walled up to heaven. I'm going to tell you something. When your mind runs, when you've got that train of thought of doubt and unbelief, amen, everything that the devil's doing will be exaggerated. Everything God is doing will be put, put aside in the peripheral. And we'll see the mountain too big to be moved by our little faith. And we won't use the faith that we have. And we will live in defeat and depression. I can't afford it. No matter what happens, God is still God. Jesus is still Lord. No matter what happens, praise God. See, happiness is not based on happenings. It's based on, do you look to God as your help no matter what happens? Can you say man? Happy is the man that has a life without any unhappy events take place. No, happy is the man that has the Lord God of Jacob for his help. Can you say man? We're not like others who have no hope because we're not like others who have no help. Can you say man? I love what God told ancient Israel. He said, I will. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid no matter what happens. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. One of the most used words in the New Testament is fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Fear not. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen. That's what was, that's what was in Timothy. That's what was in his mind. His mind. He was so troubled in his mind. You want to know what part of his trouble was, biblically? False teachers had already begun to come in and compete with the truth of the gospel. And people, because of their immaturity, were leaving the truth to follow the false teachers. And Timothy lost people that he was ministering to. They were running over to the false teachers. And it broke his heart, and it also discouraged him so deeply. Remember, remember when Jeremiah preached and nobody listened? In fact, they slapped his face and said he wasn't a patriot for telling them the truth. They threw him in a dungeon. This was a, a jail cell in the ground. It, had the, it, had the, it was a pit with the bars on top of the pit. Because when they threw it, uh, come on now, they, I, all jail cells are bad. Because I used to preach and in, in, have a ministry in the jail in Tampa. I don't like the out, outer ones. I, I don't like the inner, I don't like the whole atmosphere. But he was in the ground, and the Bible said he sunk down in the mire. The mire, the moisture had come into that pit, and, and he, was, he was knee-deep or waist-deep in, in mire. They probably put a bucket down for him to relieve himself and pulled it up if they even gave him that. 
They may not have given me anything for urination. He's in the, this is what he got for preaching the gospel. If you've got somebody that wants to quit, there he is. And he wanted to quit. He said, if nobody, number, listen, number one, nobody listened. We've got a success oriented instead of just tell the truth and let God handle it. We've got a success oriented ministry today. That our success is based on our numbers and our buildings and our salaries. And it's even got to the point it's in our automobiles and our jewelry. You open up Gentleman's Quarterly, you will not find me in there. Maybe him, but not me. And you know what it'll tell you? It'll tell you what certain watches... The Sieg Hours and the there's watches. The, the, the Rolex is not the only expensive watch, but you got to let people see it. I told you about the guy I worked with that got, said, "I got a brand new Rolex." I said, "Wonderful." I don't know how you did it on your salary, but anyway, uh, you know, because he was just an everyday working guy, he probably mortgaged his house and his car, but uh, he got a, he got he got what he wanted, and he said, "I'll show it to you." And I thought, "Don't bring it down here." I brought a classroom down here, class ring down here, and somebody stole it out of my locker. Who wants my old class ring? Amen. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, so he <laughs> he said, "I'm gonna bring." it tomorrow and I said no you don't have to do that you don't have to do that I didn't want him to put his expensive watch in jeopardy where you can't work in it you have to leave it in your locker they'll steal out of your locker he didn't bring his Rolex he brought a picture of himself from Olin Mills he had on black pants and a bright red sport coat and he was posing would you like to see his pose it was a big you know big picture he had his foot up like that. <laughs> he wasn't even smiling, man. He just wanted to get a good shot of the Rolex so he could take a show off his Rolex without leaving his, you know. <laughs> it gets crazy. <laughs> it gets real crazy when the, when the clothes define the person, when the jewelry defines the person, when the size of the church defines a person instead of the anointing and the truth of God. And that's where we are today. And that's why there's such compromise today. And that's why there's so many people following false leaders today. And Timothy's heart was broken. Jeremiah's heart was broken. It was so broken. He said, I wish that I lived somewhere where there was no people. I wished I lived so deep in the wilderness, way back in the boondocks, way back in the woods, that a man wouldn't find my house unless he got lost in the woods and happened to stumble on it. Come on, this is God's appointed anointed preacher. God handpicked him and anointed him and warned him, don't look at their faces. You're, you're anointed to deliver my truth, not to... To, to get everybody to hug you or applaud you. And I can tell you after 42 years going on 43 of pastoral ministry, everybody don't applaud me. Everybody don't hug me. But this woman applauds me right here. She sent me a note, a lifting up note. And I got the note. And I, every time I get discouraged, I'm going to pull it out and read it again. Hallelujah. Thank you for the encouragement. It helps make up. But even if she didn't, I talked to a pastor the other day and he talked about all the problems he was having. And I said, boy, I love to hear it. 
Keep telling me every problem you got. Hold nothing back. I want to know that I'm not the only one. Can you say, man, I don't want to ever get that complex. Like, I'm, I'm standing for God. I'm that Elijah complex. Amen. I'm the only one jealous for you. And they're trying to kill me. And you know what God told him? I got 7,000 that haven't bowed their knees to Baal. You're not the only one standing up. There are others just like you that love me. Can you say, man? But Jeremiah was discouraged. And he was discouraged. He didn't want to use that anointing to prophesy that God had placed on him. As he sunk down in the mire, no one listened, number one. Number two, he's getting all this trouble without any fruit to show for it. It's not like he had all these people wanting to serve God because he prophesied truth to them. So he's down in the mire. He don't have a Bentley. It just came out with a new Bentley SUV. Did you see it? <laughs> He's a school teacher. He could buy that bad boy. A single man. And the entry level is $229,000. That's the entry level. Bentley SUV. And there are preachers that define themselves not by how many people are coming to Christ, how many people are delivered and set free under their ministry, not how, far, how much further the kingdom of God is being furthered because they're standing true to the Lord, but by their house and their car. And you know who they're competing with? Other preachers to show that I'm right up there with you. My faith is right up there. Like the man that wants a $65 million jet. $65 million plan. He's got a jet, but it isn't the Rolex of jets. And he don't want to fly in a Timex. It's beneath him. He should fly in a Rolex. The top of the line. The best that money can buy in a corporate jet. You know what the car companies did? What the car companies did when they, when the head of GM and Ford and American Motors, when they came down to ask for a bailout from Congress, from the government, they didn't live that far from Washington, D.C. or their corporate offices. But each one of them came in their own corporate jet. To ask for a handout. One of the senators said, you know what it cost for the pilot and the gasoline to fly from Detroit to D.C.? Round, one round trip, $25,000. They're willing to spend, they're hurting, they're broke, they're going to go bankrupt if they don't get some help to get them back on their feet until they can get back on their feet. And said they're coming here in, a, in their own personal jet Asking for a handout. And I thought, I see it on Sunday morning. Somebody that's got their personal jet, personal wealth, multimillionaire in a mansion. Trying to put a trip on you and me as if we don't love people enough to give to their ministry. I thought if you love people enough, you wouldn't have to live in that kind of opulence. 
and you wouldn't have a need in your ministry. Can you say amen? Amen? Now that's me. That's not you. You watch who you want. You give where you want. But I don't give a penny to someone who doesn't have a kingdom culture and a kingdom view. I'm not asking anyone, and I shouldn't have to live in... In, in poverty and I intend not to if I had to live in poverty to preach the congregation hearing me wouldn't be worthy of hearing me can you say man hallelujah he that he that labors among you like in ministry the Bible said is worthy of double, double honor that's not how you reverence them that it means honorarium is the actual Greek word amen we're worthy of our hire and I believe preachers should be paid otherwise we got to go to work Amen. And we're not going to be there. And we're not going to have the time to study and pray for you and intercede for you. Praise God. But if people give and people are faithful, we're going to be faithful to the people that do that. Praise God. So there's nothing wrong with a minister having enough. I'm glad I got a car that you don't have to go out and push to get it started today. Amen. But it's not fancy. It's an equinox. It's got four cylinders. It gets 32 miles to the gallon. It's not leather. Don't buy me a Bentley. Where would I drive it? In my neighborhood? A Bentley? Sometimes they go through my neighborhood with a ball bat and just break out windows out of cars just for the fun of it. I'd have put my Bentley in storage somewhere and lock it up. I couldn't take it to Wally World. I couldn't park that Bentley. I wouldn't park that Bentley in the parking lot of Walmart. Amen. Would you sell that bad boy? Two hundred twenty-nine thousand dollars. I'll buy me a Ford Explorer with everything in it for twenty-nine thousand dollars. Well, not everything in it. I'm sorry. I'm living in the past. <laughs> yeah, more like sixty. I still have a bunch left over. Let's get back to your mind. And let's get back to my mind. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, holy, good report. Timothy, you got faith in you. There was faith in your grandmother, your mother. I know there's faith in you. God did not give unto us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Listen, see, we, we just look at the power and say, boy, I got the Holy Ghost. I don't. No, you need to get your mind right. You need to get your mind renewed by the Word of God. Can you, it's not enough to have the Holy Ghost. That power, it was on Timothy, but it was laying dormant within him. The gifts of ministry were laying dormant within him. I love what happened to Jeremiah because that anointing was upon him. And as he sunk down in the mire and he pondered nobody coming to God through his ministry, but he felt the call of God so strong within his life, he said, it was as fire. Shut up in my bones I said initially I will not speak for God anymore he was where Timothy was but he said I couldn't help it I could not stay for it was as fire it was as fire you know what we need today we need more of that fire down inside of the preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ because this gospel did not come in word only but it came in power and it came in the Holy Ghost and therefore it came with much assurance. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Amen. So he's in the mire but he's feeling the fire. 
Everybody says in the mire, but he's feeling the fire. Hallelujah. And he said, I couldn't help it. I couldn't hold it back. So while in the mire, he's prophesying. He had to be, because if he could hold it back, then he wasn't prophesying. But he was anointed to prophesy to Israel. And down in that old dungeon, you could hear, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Amen. And he's speaking forth the word in the mire because of the fire. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Don't want to know if you're really called to minister? Hallelujah. A minister friend of mine said the other day, he said, my wife told me you've lost the zeal. You've lost the zeal. You're teaching good. You're even preaching good. But what she's talking about is the passion. He understood it. He said, I thank my wife for that. I want the fire back. Amen. He's not even fire oriented. But if he keeps... Keep seeking the fire. He's going to find the fire. Can you say, man, even without denominational permission or structure, it's happening all over the world. In the last days, saith God, I'm going to do something. Amen. I'm going to do something. The devil's going to pull out all the stops, and so am I. Can you say, man, in the last days, saith God. Hallelujah. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men are going to dream dreams. Hallelujah. Your old men are dream dreams. Your young men are going to prophesy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that fire was in Timothy and it made it worse. Because he was discouraged and no one was listening. But Paul wrote him a letter. And he said, Timothy, I know that there's faith in you. God didn't give us the spirit of fear. You can't be discouraged without fear taking hold of you. You've got to be afraid God's not going to come through to be discouraged. You've got to be afraid the devil's going to win. You've got to be afraid you're not going to get through your circumstance. And I hear the voice of fear. I know the voice of fear. When I went through nervous exhaustion, fear wasn't a concept. It became literally an entity. And when the sun went down and the shadows began to fall, my breathing would get shallow. I had to sleep on three pillows on my back to breathe. Some nights I had to get out of bed, go into the garage. That time my son didn't live with us, go into the garage. Take the phone with me. Lay it on the floor. Get on my hands and knees. Trying to breathe, smothering. I never turned the lights off at night. So if you think I'm on a pedestal of power, speaking down to you in your valleys, honey, I want you to know I've been in the deep, dark valleys of life. And what I've learned about God in the valley I would have never learned on the mountaintop. What I'm teaching you of how He brought me through and what He's doing to help others get through because He brought me through and I'm forthright enough to tell you about my valley life. My valley. Oh, by the way, it's not like I'm out of the valley and I'll never go through it again. It's just that now I'm experienced. 
I know, I know, I know that God will see me through. I know no matter what happens, how deep, how bleak, how dark, God will see me through. Because I know some principles of grace. I'm not just depending on my faith, but His faithfulness. I'm not just depending on my power or my holiness, but His gift in my life to preach the gospel. That's why Peter said, why look upon us the way people look upon us when a miracle is wrought by our hands. People putting preachers on pedestals instead of Christ on the throne of their life. That preacher cannot keep you out of that deep valley. He can't pull you out, but Jesus can and He will. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 That preacher can fall himself and he can fail you. But the one he's preaching about, if he's preaching Christ to you, will never fail you. And he'll never let you go. Timothy didn't need deliverance from a spirit from the netherworld. He needed deliverance from a train of thought. That was taking him into deeper discouragement. So Paul said God didn't give us the spirit of fear. Because the spirit of fear was now the spirit of his mind. But he gave us the spirit of love. And power. Don't stop with power. And a sound mind. Get your mind right. And you'll be able to use your faith. Because you won't be so convinced in your mind that you don't have any. You're going to see you've got faith, you've got an anointing, and you've got gifts within you. And you're not responsible for how many people stay or how many people go. You're responsible for telling the truth everywhere that you go. And somewhere down the line, somebody's going to grab a hold of it. Somebody's going to get saved. And somebody is going to grow in God. And somebody, hallelujah, is going to get delivered and set free. So you've got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's where the Word of God and the Holy Spirit comes in. Whatsoever thing. Oh, by the way, sound. The Bible spoke of sound doctrine, sound bodies. But this word for sound and sound mind means discipline. Disciplined. 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 The Bible said we're to... And, and we, tried, we tried that years ago. They went down to Miami. They were going to bind the devils over Miami, and the whole city is going to get saved. And, and the devil's working in Miami just like he always did. Because this scripture is out of context. It had to do with our mind, not demon forces over cities. Would you like to hear the scripture? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See, we don't think about ourselves in our mind. We think about the world and the hierarchy of demons that are working in the world. Listen to it carefully. And we don't even think about their mind. We're trying to see the world get saved just because we intercede long enough and hard enough, they all just come into church. The Bible said the God of this world has blinded where? Where he can control the will. Where he controlled the direction of a person's life. The God of this world has blinded the minds of men. Lest they would watch, see the glory of the gospel and get saved. If they saw it, if they saw their lost condition and what God has provided in Christ, they would run to the altar like they used to do. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But used to, amen, there was prayer, great intercession for the lost. That was all. These men that saw that happen in their ministries where they ran to altars, you didn't have to 
coach them or coerce them or promise them a Rolex for serving Jesus. They came because they were, knew they were lost and they desperately needed a Savior. And they were so glad to receive Jesus. They were not tentative. They ran to the altars. But Charles Finney had to go into the pine thickets to pray. He had to get away from people because they would interrupt his prayer because he prayed in those moanings and groanings for those souls interceding, binding the God of this world that was blinding the minds of men so that when he preached, they saw it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're so good at it. I sat at our pastor's table and we read the statistics this past Tuesday. With three other ministers, the average pastor prays 15 minutes, I said, a week. This is the Barnapole. These are unsigned questionnaires sent out to those standing in pulpits. You know why we only spend 15 minutes in prayer? Because we're so good at preaching. We have a degree in theology. We're personable. We've got a a sermon plan. We don't need the anointing. We don't need the fire. We've got... We're... So why intercede? The Bible said we must give ourselves... By the way, what's God's house called? A house of preaching? No. No. Not primarily. Should preaching be here? Yes, it better be here. But it doesn't begin with that. Is it a house of praise? Yes, it should be. Is that number one? No. Number one is what we don't even have is number two. Or number three. Or number four. My house shall be called a house of prayer. The weapons of our warfare is not carnal. We can't be good enough at preaching to get the job done. So don't go preaching until you wait in Jerusalem. Until you be endued with power from on high. I found out it was less than 15 minutes. The statistics have changed. And yet the early apostles said it's not, it wasn't because of their pride or it was above them. It's not meet that we wait the tables. The widows in that day were served by the church and, and the apostles were having to serve them. And they said, for we must give ourselves to the preaching of the word. No, 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 not primarily. We must give ourselves to prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. We must give ourselves to prayer. And then, and only then, to the preaching of the Word. Can you say amen? When I come here, my only hope of getting through, and the gospel getting through, is to pray that God will take the Word. I pray for myself. I pray, Holy Spirit, make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. That's why I can't stay on my outline most mornings. Because the Holy Ghost has something to say that's so strong in me. Hallelujah. I have to lay it down. Sometime I'll get to stick with it, but not this morning. Not last Sunday or Sunday before last. Amen. Maybe no Sunday until Jesus comes. I just don't know. I can't just preach a pattern unless I feel it 
right in here first. And I said, Lord, let me speak. Then I pray, let me speak as the oracle of God. But before I say one word, let me intercede for everyone in this congregation. Can you say man? Let me pray and wrap them up in prayer. That everybody that decides to keep coming here knows just what you knew. We found out you had a surgical procedure of some sort and my wife somehow texted you or Facebooked or whatever she did to communicate with you. Why didn't you let us know we would have prayed for you? She said, I know my pastor's praying for me. Didn't have to tell him to. He's going to do it whether I tell him to or not. Just knowing that he's interceding for me, I was fine and had peace in my heart. I thought, hallelujah, glory be to God. Because I had been telling the congregation that when I walk, I talk to God. And I have personal times that I talk with the Lord. And I bring you personally. I don't say bless the congregation. I say bless you by name. And sometimes when I landed on your name, the Holy Ghost would rise up and say, I want to do more than what you're asking me for. And then I would begin to pray with the Spirit. And I'd just pray in the Holy Ghost. And I didn't even know what your need was, but God did and had me praying for it. And I know that the Holy Ghost searches the deep things. Hallelujah. No man knoweth the real needs of anybody, but the Spirit of God does. Hallelujah. And if we can give ourselves to prayer and then the ministry of the Word, something's going to happen in the heart. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Timothy didn't need deliverance from a spirit of fear. He needed to be renewed in the spirit of his mind. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let's designate where they are. Casting down evil spirits over now. Casting down imaginations. Where's that taking place? What sphere is that occurring in? Everybody got one point at it. Oh, almost 100%. We'll pray for a creative miracle for the rest of you. Casting down. Where's the stronghold? Where's the stronghold? Is this a demon force or is this a messed up mind? Thank you for it. Amen. Come on. I know you're hearing things a little different than you've always perceived it. I want you to hear it different. I want you to know the truth. Praise God. If we get our mind right, we're going to get our life right. If we get our life right, we're going to have the help of the Lord and the joy of Jesus. And we're going to go through and we're going to overcome. We're going to use the faith that we have. And mountains are going to move. In spite of the circumstances, mountains are going to move. Hallelujah. The devil fears it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing or thought that, that, that is in the thought life that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. They that do know their God will be weak, wimpy. They'll be deceived. They'll be destroyed. They'll be defrauded. No, they that know their God will be strong. 
and they will do exploits. One translation said they will be steadfast and take action. And what Timothy was doing, he wasn't steadfast, he wasn't taking action, but the moment he realized I've got faith, I just need to get my mind... set on things above and not beneath my mind set on Jesus my mind set on the pure the good the holy the lovely the praiseworthy hallelujah and then I can use the faith that I have and I'm not going to turn in my ministerial credentials I'm not going to give up on God I'm not going to give up on me and I'm not going to give up on people Somebody's going to hear it. Somebody's going to get saved. Somebody's going to grow in God. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought. Where's the stronghold? How are we going to win it? We've got to get renewed in the spirit. Some people are gloom and doomers. Psychologically, we would call them melancholies. They live under a cloud of threat and discouragement. They're not using the faith. Their, Their prayer is more of a plea for help than a praise for the help that He's already granted us. We do more pleading then praise it and in the thick of battle in the thick of spiritual battle I love what one man has said as we hurry to close the thick of battle you can't pray that prayer as if God isn't listening you can't pray that prayer as if if God doesn't you've got to take the if out of it it's not faith if you have the if in it Lord, if you don't do something, no, 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 take the if out of it. Faith doesn't put an if because faith believes that God is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. God, if you don't do something, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, of course, if He doesn't do something, we don't know what we're going to do. Take the if out of it. God is not only going to do something, God has done something. He's already given His Son. And He's already given His Spirit. And He's already given us His anointing. And He's already given us His Word. Hallelujah. So take the if out of it and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you in this storm and in this trouble. I'm assured of victory. Can you say, man, thank you, Lord. Before I even pray, I thank you, Lord. Oh! Brother Emma, you must have had a good week. Oh, you are very wrong. I've had a bad week. I've had a sad week. Amen. All kinds of things went wrong this week. That's why I'm so rejoicing this morning. Next time you see me so happy, say, boy, he must have had a bad week. Bad. How are you today? Bad. How's things going in your life? Bad. Listen, they can be bad without being sad. For the joy 
of the Lord is your strength and happy is the man that has everything happen just fine. No, happy is the man that has the Lord God of Jacob for his help. And that's how Paul stayed happy in the midst of his persecutions and trials. Hallelujah. He said at my first answer, no man stood with me. How be it? No man stood up with me. Nobody stood up there but me. At my first proclamation of the gospel in that particular city, nobody stood up with me. Nobody encouraged me. Nobody amen me. Nobody applauded me. Nevertheless, Christ stood by me and helped me that the preaching might be made fully known. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Happy is the man. That lives happily ever after because all the happenings are perfect. No, happy is the man that has the Lord God of Jacob for his help. God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but power. That This was the spirit of his mind. This is what had entered his mind. This is why he wasn't using his faith. And he needed to get renewed in the spirit of his mind. Hallelujah. I want to close with this from S.D. Gordon. When you are in the thick of the fight, when you are in the object of attack, plead less and claim more. Plead less. It's not that you don't make your petition known, but don't just keep pleading. Claim more. On the ground of the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't just ask for victory. Claim His victory to overshadow you. Can you say man? Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Now listen to this as it applies to the lost as we close. Casting down imaginations. We testify. We witness. We minister the word and the truth. We are, we are ministers of Christ. Everyone, whether you stand in a pulpit or not, some people think they can't do anything for God unless they're in a pulpit. Honey... Your pulpit is right where you are in life if someone's open to hear the gospel. And you've been given the ministry, every one of us. Your testimony and what you know about God and the scripture, you know enough to lead anybody to Jesus. And to us has been given to all the children of God the ministry of reconciliation. We don't have a hierarchy of priests that are only qualified to do this. You are highly qualified to lead anybody, anywhere, anytime to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? But you've got to stir up the gift that is within you. You've got to use the faith that you have. Praise God. Hallelujah. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought that is in into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. The first target of that intercession is that mind that has been blinded. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. 
But when the scales fall from the mind, then the heart door is made available to be opened. And when the person sees their lost condition, their need for a Savior, they open the door to their heart. And he said, if any man open the door, I'm coming in. Can you say man? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And without that occurring, that work of the Holy Spirit through prayer and intercession. You know what the world is singing out there when they're hearing the gospel with that blinded mind? I hear you knocking. But you can't come in. But what happens when the scales fall? You're saved today. At some point in your life, the scales fell. And the devil lost the one that he was blinding and the one that he was binding. Can you say, man, hallelujah. Listen to this. I've got to say it one more time. The target initially becomes the mind and then the heart. But it doesn't start with the heart. It starts with the mind. Listen carefully. And only the Holy Spirit can work that work even in the mind itself. In the life of the Christian, in the life of the believer, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, this is that disciplined mind. I can go home and think about what Obama said. I can go home and think about the state of the world, what the Supreme Court just did. I can go home and think about what the trouble in people's lives and the people that are falling away. I can go home and dwell on the false prophets instead of the, instead of the true prophets. Hallelujah. I can, I can, your, your mind has a train of thought. Oh, by the way, what you're talking about all week, what I talk about all week, Every time you open your mouth, you let someone look into your heart. Because the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Let no, therefore, let no, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Amen. But that that's good to what? Edify. Not just building up others, darling. Did you know your spirit is listening to what your mind is thinking and saying? I can't take no more. Your spirit is just drawing up. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Your spirit is standing up. Hallelujah. We need to get renewed in the spirit of our mind. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I got so sick and so sick of waiting on God. I went out to the banks of the Hillsborough River. And I said, Lord, I can't take this anymore. And I, I just went on and on and on until I felt like just dying. I felt like Job. I felt, his wife, oh, his wife. Somebody's going to always come along with words of encouragement like Job's comforters and Job's wife. Why don't you just curse God and die? Well, I'm not about to curse God, but dying wasn't a, not suicidal, not fatalistic. It's just, Lord, if, why don't you just take me home right here? I'm no good to my family in this mess. I'm no good to you. I'm no good behind a pulpit. I've been preaching a faith that I'm not walking in, obviously, or I wouldn't be in this pickle. So I can't preach faith. Look at me. I'm a wreck. 
Pity party, big time, mully grubbing, big time. And I had to get my mind right. I had to change my mind about what I was thinking about God and thinking about me. And you know what began to change it? When I began to think about Jesus on the cross. And guess what, it, what, what medicine it was for my soul. Because when I focused on Jesus dying for me on the cross, I quit thinking about me and my trouble, me and my pain, and me and my pressure, and me and my problem. And when I quit thinking about it, guess what? I began to get relief from it. It didn't come overnight. God took me through a deep, dark valley for a long time. But what I'm teaching you this morning, you know what I would have done before I went through that valley? I say, hey! Come on! Just believe God! I'd be like the guy that came to our church and everybody went bananas over. Until he, oh, he messed up and sinned terribly and, and ruined his marriage, but he preached Oh, did he preach. And we Pentecostals really, you know what he preached? Can I tell you the essence of what he preached over and over again? And I thought he was going to tear the house down. Of course, two weeks after he was gone, back, everything was back to normal. And then after a while, he failed. Because you've got to do more than just preach under a holy anointing. You've got to know something. My people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. They're going into captivity for a lack of knowledge. Amen. So he came out. On fire for God. Oh, hallelujah! 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 And everybody, yeah, we're going to have church tonight. And we did, if you call that church in and of itself. He said, I got my double barrel Holy Ghost shotgun. I brought it tonight. I got it filled with Holy Ghost buckshot. I'm going to let the devil have it with both barrels. And I mean, people come out of their seats and people got happy. And I knew those people. It wasn't six months until his marriage was on the rocks and he was in deep bondage to sin. Because the devil ain't afraid of your Holy Ghost shotgun. He ain't afraid of your Holy Ghost buckshot. But he mightily fears. Amen. The armor. That God has granted to the believer and the authority to pray, amen, in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. And to use the name of Jesus Christ in battle. Can you say amen? And I saw the same people that shouted that night. It didn't last. Because they didn't know how to trust God, believe God. They didn't know how to change their train of thought. They had an emotional high that night. And when the emotion, by the way, emotion won't carry you through those trials. But the Spirit of God will. And we've got to get rid of stinking thinking. Can you say amen? Stinking thinking. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The bad report came from the spies, and it made it even worse to bring back that bough of grapes. said, here's a bough of grapes. They're so big, it took two men to carry it. It's just like God said. The promised land flows with milk and honey. What a blessing it would be, but we can't have it. Because there were fierce armies. There were giants, the sons of Anak. And we saw cities walled up to heaven. And fear gripped the heart of everybody in Israel. Joshua and Caleb, the Bible said, had a different spirit. All right. 
Come on. Joshua and Caleb saw everything that they saw, but they saw it with a different state of mind. Can you say amen? They didn't even talk about the giants. They didn't give any credibility to how big the walls of the city was. Their, Their eyes were on the Lord the whole time. They didn't talk about the fierce armies. It's just been brought out of the biggest army in the world, which was Egypt, and watched God destroy them all. So they said, we didn't even give no time to that. Can you say amen? What did they say? What did Joshua and Salem say? Let's go up at once and possess it, for we are well able. What do we need to hear today? In the midst of our circumstances, somebody that says that's not going to keep God from keeping His promise. Let's go up and possess the land. We're well able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm looking for the revival to come in the midst of the trouble and the turmoil and the distraction and the disruption that we're going through right now. Why? Because we're being faithful. And if you're faithful over a few things, God said, God said, God has something to say about it. I'm going to make you a ruler over many. Can you say amen? Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something's about to give all right, but it ain't me. Something's about to break, but it's not you. Praise God. He's upholding us with the right hand of His righteousness. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Got to close with this. This is good. This is praiseworthy. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me finish with this before I read Isaiah in closing. Not only did they say there's giants in the land. Did you know something? They didn't even have to be giants in their state of mind. They said there's giants, the sons of Anak in the land. And we were as grasshoppers before them. Number one, they saw them the wrong way. And number two, they saw themselves the wrong way. These are the covenant children of God that He brought out of Egypt through signs, wonders, and miracles. And they saw themselves as what? Grasshoppers. What's the devil going to do with a grasshopper? He's going to just stomp him and go on about his business. What's he going to do about a warrior clothed in God's illustrious armor? He ain't going to stomp on that one. Can you say man? Somebody else is going to do the stomping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said somebody else is going to get stomped. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's stand up and give him praise in this room. I have a testimony. I have a witness for Christ. I have something yet to accomplish for him. I'm three years into deliverance from a stroke. 
I told him when he raised me up I said whatever I got left is yours it's not mine to do what I want to with amen whatever the circumstance uh, there's a fire there is a fire there is a fire there is a fire I don't know if you feel it but you don't even have to but there is a fire shut up in my bones can you say amen some people have left the church somebody stole our lawnmower amen and our ladder and all the good stuff out of our shed but my wife just got told she didn't have cancer in her breast and I told her today I said listen listen amen there's things the devil can't steal fall fell among thieves fall fell among thieves Paul fell among thieves but it didn't stop him from preaching the gospel Paul got beat up but it didn't stop him from preaching the gospel can you say man hallelujah Timothy got down but he got back up can you say man Let's give God some praise today. Hallelujah. The hearts of my family are softening. My son is praying every night because he's in trouble all the time. But at least he's praying. He's come a long way. And I'm praying that God will not only deliver him from some things he needs to conquer, but that God will restore what sin and Satan has stolen from him. Praise God, because I'm bringing him before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Can you say amen? Let, let, me, let me read this. If I don't read it, I'll regret not reading it at the appropriate time because there'll never be a better time, I don't believe, than right now. We're getting ready to praise him. 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 This is what God said. God will help Israel in Psalm 41. Psalm 41. Psalm 41. Let's begin reading with verse 10. Through verse 13 in closing. See, he told Timothy, don't be afraid. Conquer that fear. Use the faith that you've got. You've got plenty of faith to do what God has equipped you to do. But you've got to use it. And you've got to start by recognizing that spirit of fear in your mind. God didn't give that to you. But power, love, and a sound mind. Listen to what God says to Israel when they are in fear of being conquered by their enemies. Verse 10 of Psalm 41 says, Fear thou not. Fear thou not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed. For I am thy God. Now, now, I love the way God talks. There's no mincing of words. There's no way to miss it. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded, and shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. For thou shalt seek them, and thou shalt not find them, even them that contend with thee, and they that war against thee. They shall be as nothing and a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear thou not. Can you say amen? Hallelujah! 
How are we supposed to react to that? How are we supposed to respond to that? To go home with the same old train of thought? Brother Bimble, I'm worried to death about my children. That's it. You're right. It's killing you. Killing your joy. It's killing your faith. Your energy's gone. It's wrecking your immune system. You're going to get sick in your body because you're already sick in your mind. Keep entertaining worry. Keep pushing God in the peripheral. Keep looking at what the devil's doing instead of what God promised he would do and what he's done. It'll tear you down and it'll tear you up. And you'll come in tore up over what you saw in the newspaper, what you saw in the news, instead of lifted up by what you should have seen in the Word of God. Pick up the Word before you pick up the paper. Get in the Word before you're listening to your answering service. Because if you don't in this last day, the devil will get you in a train of thought that will cause you not to use the faith you got. And when you don't use faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because he's mad at you for not trusting him. No, he can't do what he's purposed. He can't give you what he's promised. Can you say amen? He said, there's no way you can please me till you're walking in the blessings that Christ's death has purchased for you at Calvary. But when you walk in those blessings, that makes me so happy to know that his death for your sake was not in vain. Can you say amen? How many know you need to get your mind right today? How many know you need God's help to do it? You can't just do it on your own. How many know God wants to help you? Hallelujah. Be not conformed to this world. Without God and without hope. It's not just the tendency to sin. It's the tendency to just be discouraged all the time and despondent. Suicide rate is rising because the hopelessness that's set in this world. Satan is a liar. He can't keep one promise he makes. Though he give you the world, he can't, he can't keep the promise of peace and fulfillment. But Christ can keep every promise that he made. Can you say man? How many got something out of this today? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's join our hands and our hearts. Heavenly Father, let the Word of God get deep within us. Help us to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Help us to be renewed constantly, consistently in the Word of God. As we behold as in a glass His face, we are transformed into His image, even from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. Let this mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus. Fill the empty seats with people you want to send. People that can get along. People that will love you and love one another. And people that will love your word and respect your house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't just fill them with anybody. Just so we can have a better head count or a better offering. Is that all right to pray that way? Don't just fill them with a head count when their heart is not knit with our heart to serve God and to love Him and to grow and to learn. And every family, God, move in families, move in our children. They're close to our heart and the devil can hurt us through them. Help us, Lord, to look past them to your promise and your faithfulness. Uphold us with the right hand of your righteousness. And let us hear you say, fear not. As you hold our hand, fear not. 
I will help you. Can you say, and I will strengthen you. Glory to God. That we might respond in faith and say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God wouldn't give us this message, but he's done with me. Amen? Amen. Be no point in it. But God's not done with me. God wouldn't give me this message if he's done with us. He's obviously not done with us. And thank God for it today. It's great potential here to be unleashed for the service of God, our great King. What a wonderful Lord. What a mighty Savior we have. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's lift him up in this song. Let's go home with something sweet to quit off on it. That's what my great-grandmother always said. By the way, something sweet to quit off on is Nehemiah chapter 8. Go and eat the fat. Drink the sweet. For the joy of the Lord is your strength.